0: Welcome to the Mother Forkin' Podcast, podcast. where we feed you some real shit on parenting. Hey y'all, Celeste here. Just wanted to give a full disclosure on today's episode. It was recorded back in April 2021 and it is certainly not snowing right now in the summer. (laughs) nevertheless the mention of gloomy weather sets the mood for our chat with mom of two and thriller writer heather chavez enjoy welcome to
1: another episode of the mother forking podcast Podcast. yeah we we yes we've been out of the game for a really long time so we need to really work on Again. We'll get it. We'll get um, it. Yeah. How are you doing, Celeste?
0: I'm doing awesome actually. Good. It's nice, uh, kind of cozy weather. It's kind of gloomy, but yeah, every now and then it's nice. How are you? Know, you
1: it's, Megan? it's it's snowing in Maine right now. My mom just Maine. yeah, my mom just sent me a video and I'm like, ooh. and it was just nice and sunny. And yeah. But here Great in Tulsa, fun. Oklahoma, it is gloomy and okay. uh 52 degrees. Nice and so very chilly. similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really excited about today's guest. Uh, I'm always excited about, about our guests.
0: Yes. And I don't want to
1: say the word, but, but, um, (laughs) I just, I'm really excited anyway. Uh, so I, I actually reached out to our guest. Her name is Heather Chavez. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I didn't even ask her, but we can
2: edit it out if I'm not. Um, but anyway, is that right? It, it It's Chavez, but, but people pronounce it that way too. So, okay. So, so Chavez. <laughs> a little
0: fancy Chavez.
2: <laughs> okay. So, sorry.
1: You know what? People butcher my name all the time. So I, I, I can relate.
2: <laughs> well, I was on Oprah with my husband when we were in our twenties and she said, and she says Chavez or Chavez. So you're in good company, you and Oprah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You'll you have it, to tell right? us a little Definitely, bit about that. Yeah. That's we need so cool. to learn about this.
0: <laughs> well, there you have it guys. Okay. Heather Chavez is with us today.
1: Right. <laughs> she was on <laughs> Oprah. Well, we'll get to that. Um, but anyway, so when I saw that she does podcast interviews, I was just like, dude, we need to get her on. So here we are with her here um, but here's why I love her so she is one of my favorite thriller authors she actually came out with her debut novel last year called no bad deed and um, plus she's just a really awesome human I find her to be funny she's awkward like I am so but and I'm not <laughs> saying she's said that she's awkward herself so that's why I'm I'm saying it's okay for <laughs> me to say that um Alfred she's is a- cool Right. She, you're awkward too, right? Very. Um, above all outs though, she's a mom of two kids, a girl and a boy. Hope I'm getting that right. I'm pretty sure. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. And the premise of her debut novel, No Bad Deed is based on an interaction that she saw at her kid's school. Uh, while she had her kids in her car with her, I believe, but she's going to go into detail with that. Um, I'm going to let her tell that story, but it just got me thinking how I would have reacted to the situation as a parent with having my kids in the car. Um, So Heather, first of all, welcome to the mother forking podcast. We hope that you're (laughs) as excited as we are uh,
2: for you being here. Oh yeah. I'm very excited. It's, (laughs) it's keeping me awake. I had, had, had a, had a little restless night last night, but got energized for this. Oh no. Thank you. Yeah. And you're in California, right? Yes. And it's not that early. It's like nine. Is it It, nice and sunny there? It's supposed to be, um, I think upper seventies, lower eighties today, but right now it's, it's kind of overcast and gloomy. Okay, so, so
0: you're, you're, nice. you're on the same vibe as we are perfect yeah. for this yes. thriller thriller episode right um so your book is awesome and like Megan said I mean a lot of people have heard of this book from Megan it's one of her favorites and um <laughs> once I found out we were interviewing you I was like I gotta read it I read it in two days and uh it is awesome it is it's intense I love that it just goes right into the action um but without giving any spoilers can you tell us um more about it about what your novel's about?
2: Oh, sure, it's um, it's set in my hometown. Um, I live in Sonoma County in Santa Rosa and it, that's where the novel takes place. And m- my main character, she's a mom of two, like me, what a coincidence, um, and she's driving home from work one day and she sees on the side of a road um, a couple fighting and it turns violent very quickly. And of course, you know, being a veterinarian, somebody who's been trained to heal and take care of people and dogs, I should say, um, she immediately intercedes and maybe, you know, that isn't the best decision in the moment, but she just, she has a little bit of an impulsive streak. Um, And so she gets out of the car after calling 911 and the um, attacker warns her When he hears the sirens, you know, let her live. I mean, let her die and I'll let you live. And instead of, you know, take, you know, of course she's going to, you know, care for the victim. So she does. But then the very next night, her husband disappears while trick or treating with their six year old daughter. Um, And so when she goes looking for her husband and her child, she finds her child alone which of course is every parent's worst nightmare, right? Yeah. Um, so she ends up trying to figure out if these two events are related, if, if somehow, you know, that, you know, attacker's warning has something to do with why her husband disappeared the last night, or the next night. And so that's kind of how it starts. And then it It just keeps going.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Full of action. I love it. It's just, you have to keep going and see what's happening. And I told Megan, I was like, a lot of this stuff I didn't see coming. So I was way excited about it.
1: Oh, thank you. And so I said it in the beginning, but can you tell the audience where you got the idea to write this book?
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, my children went to this charter school, and I was picking my daughter up from after school care there. And while we were leaving the campus, we saw a boy, probably around 14 years old, I'm guessing. And he was just walking across the grass. Then suddenly, these two other boys, about the same age, just kind of swarmed him, jumped him, and started beating him. And immediately, I'm like, Oh, what do I do? I mean, you know, my daughter's in the car. Do I call 911? Do I intercede? What do I do? And in that moment, right as I was making the decision, the fight or attack, I should say, ended as quickly as it began. So, I mean, literally was seconds. And so I didn't even have time to fully react. But all that day, of course, being a thriller writer, I was asking all those what if questions. What if my daughter hadn't been in the car? What if it had been night? And what happened before the fight that you know, led to these boys doing this thing. And so all those questions were swarming in my in my mind. And I was actually working on another book and, but this idea just would not be denied. And so I tried to shoehorn it into the book that I was writing. And then I said, nah, that's not working and just committed wholeheartedly. Like, okay, I'm in, I, I want to write this idea. So um, that was kind of how it all started. And so actually your Oh, I was just going to say the first line of the book. I, I did major revisions through you know my drafts before submitting it to agents, and that first line, um, I think it's if my kids had been with me in the car, wouldn't have happened. And yeah. um, that is the one line that really never changed. Everything else changed dramatically, but that line just kind of came to me that day. And That's so awesome. is that is
1: is is would you have reacted the way uh, Cassie did? <laughs>
2: Well, you know, if you've read the book, which you have, um, I think I might have, she actually gets out of the car because she's at a safe distance. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think I might have, at one point she tosses a rock, which is somewhat ineffectual and her aim is not any better than mine would be (laughs) in that situation. Um, So in that moment, um, I think I might have gotten out of the car to, to try to yell at them to yell at him to stop and tell them the police are on their way, which mm-hmm. is kind of what she does. And, but the But as you also read that she kind of slips. And it's, a you know, all of a sudden, she's much closer than she wanted to be. And as you mentioned, I'm awkward. I'm also not very agile. So could I see myself in that situation? I would like to think no, I would like to think self preservation would be a stronger impulse. But um, I think we all have impulses when somebody's in trouble that you know, make us different people than we normally are. So, who knows? I, I would probably have in the car, <laughs> but I would have yeah. honked. Yeah, I would honk loudly. That's yeah, so awesome. Man, uh, I,
0: I do want to ask, uh, what do your kids think about you being a published author?
2: Yeah, Um, my daughter and son were actually at school when they found out. My daughter was a senior in high school. Is that right, Maya? Uh, Uh, I'm sorry I'm putting her on the spot (laughs) and so um she was at school and we got the call I got the call but my husband was with me at the time at like 8 30 on a Friday morning and she you know so I immediately texted her like hey I sold my book and she you know immediately texted back oh you know you're now you're my role model and I, said, I wasn't already <laughs> um but, it took me becoming a published yeah. author for that <laughs> That's
0: um
2: I do think you know kids are probably really tired of me um asking all those questions because they're adults. I don't have to like censor myself as much, you know, so I can say, Hey, what do you think about a person dying in this way? And, you know, you can ask those questions of, of kids, my age, you know, of my children's age. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that they, they probably are, they are they again, two. my daughter's 19 and my son is 23. Okay. okay yeah. So they yeah. they've seen it and heard
1: it all. <laughs>
0: that's so cool that they get to have little inputs in your story yeah and
1: And so I'm assuming they've read your book right
2: they have and it's actually really uh, my my daughter um is in addition to majoring in marketing she's also a musician and so she has that creative you know bent as well and so it's it's kind of I think inspiring for her in that way to say, hey, yeah, don't wait as long as I did. (laughs) You know, follow your dreams and don't be afraid to take risks. Um, especially when you're young, because it's, you know, it's you you know, parents, once your parents, it's like Mm. it's so much harder. I mean, my kids didn't even, you know, respect a closed bathroom door. There was no way (laughs) I was going to get significant writing time in when they were really small. And the people who do that, it just it, it inspires me. I, I would write in my car, but yeah, you find the time where you can. And um, that's what, hopefully what the book experience has been for them, you know, showing them that, you know, don't be afraid to take risks.
1: Wait, so so you're not a full-time author. You And don't you have a history with writing? Is it journalism?
2: I do. I actually um, was a journalist. I was an editor. Um, reporter as well. And then I also, right now I work in public affairs and for healthcare organization and, um, spend a lot of time writing and, you know, for, you know, human interest stories and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, employee profiles, that kind of thing. So I still do write. It's just more like PR writing. Um, I did have the, for the first time I've worked full-time pretty much since as summers when I was 15, you know, I've, I've worked, I took eight weeks off with each child and I've been pretty much full time my uh, whole adult life. And um, as soon as my book came out, actually the week my book came out, I went to 32 hours for the first time. And it's been amazing. The difference that having that extra day, um, really provides me creatively, wow. you know, I, I
1: need to get on that schedule. Jeez. Right? Inspiring. That's, right. That's awesome. So, okay. I, we, like I told you in the beginning, um, we are a parenting podcast. We want to get to know you as a mother. So, um, we've, we're starting to see a little bit of that, but let's dive deeper. What was life like when you first had kids?
2: The <laughs> <laughs> good old days. Yeah. <laughs> she couldn't write.
1: Right. You couldn't write. So you, so <laughs> did you deal with postpartum depression? Like, I don't know. Cause I just, I feel like when Celeste and I were both pregnant and then had our first, we both felt like we have no idea. Like, we don't know about any of this stuff. No one told us about this. So is it similar to your experience when you had
2: kids? You know, I've never experienced postpartum depression. Um, but I have such respect for those who've gone through that. Um, when my kids were older, I did go through a pretty dark period. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of that had to do with my work because I would, I was working night shifts and, and, um, Often missed holidays and significant mm. events in their lives, and so sometimes I would go days without seeing them, and that led to, a like I said, a, a pretty dark period where I was starting to have physiological symptoms and you know feeling adrift, not wanting to get out of bed. Mm. Um, so you know, self care is something we often put pretty low on our to do list, yeah, especially um, as mothers. Especially as mothers, I know. So asking for help, I think, is one of the hardest and bravest things we can do so I love that there's a dialogue around it um but I will say I yeah I had moments I I'm um my sister and I we were we kind of grew up in separate households a lot of the time and so um I was raised as an only child a lot and I did and then by a single mom and so I didn't really know if I wanted to have children I was never around children and even with my sister I was younger than her so um my husband is the oldest of seven so Mm -hmm. he's had a lot of experience around children me I I've never changed a diaper when when and all of a sudden I'm like wait I have to change diapers like all the time all the time all the time (laughs) you know I mean there's just it's just there's nothing that can prepare you for it I remember putting him in the car seat when you know we were leaving the hospital and I kept expecting someone to run out and say, you know, you can't take that baby. You don't know how to take care of that baby. Um, And they let us leave with a tiny human. I mean, it was just incredible that they trusted us with raising this child. And I got home and it was just, while I didn't have postpartum depression, I definitely had those moments where I was like, I just don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, it's funny. You, you just, you said that about driving home. Um, my Adrian, my oldest, mm-hmm. uh, so my husband does not drive slow ever at, like, he's just, I hate his driving. He knows this. Everyone knows it. Everyone doesn't like the way he drives, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, so we were, we were driving home with Adrian. Of course he's like days old or whatever. And I'm sitting out back in the truck with him and Christos was like one of those people on the highway going grandpa slow, just like ten and two
0: precious cargo
1: along. Yeah, I just it's so funny the thing the way things change and oh, like yeah. how you know. But I mean that was short lived because then of course when we had our second, it was like you know let's <laughs> let's run the red light. The we're second good. kid that's always like <laughs> we're good. Yeah, uh,
2: <laughs> Heather, that is true. Yes,
0: um, I do want to ask you how similar were like some of your characters compared to your mothering? Cause that's a huge uh, theme in the book. Obviously Cassie, your character had some guilt on like, you know, working a lot. So, um, how similar were you to like, you know, how, how similar were the characters to you? and in, any? In, in
2: that life? is, a that, that part was a hundred percent autobiographical. <laughs> um, you know, I just, um, really, you know, tied my own personal feelings of angst and guilt um as a working mom and the sacrifices you have to make and I definitely tied that into Cassie as a character um I wish I could kick serious ass like she can um I'm not there but um but the but the guilt the mother guilt yes that's definitely a thing um and as far as you know my children some of the the tiny moments I did totally steal from their childhood like you know um like my son did play football when he was in high school you know so um I did draw on that and uh, I I find that you know like in the book my next book which um comes out early next year, it I ha- I have a child in that as well, um, so a four excited. year old, right. and so yeah I'm excited I actually get to talk to my editor about it in uh, an hour after the podcast so oh really yeah, yeah I'm really Yay. energized. You'll um, actually have four year olds by then. <laughs> so awesome. yes yeah, perfect perfect right? and you'll totally relate to little julian the four-year-old oh, and I love that Aww, that's um, what i wanted to yeah. name
1: my son julian is
2: that's it that's totally we were going to name our ch- um jacob um our child our 23 year old our, our baby um we were going to name him julian and then he came out <laughs> and he had this huge head <laughs> and i'm like he doesn't look like a Julian. <laughs> Julians have smaller heads, <laughs> so I'm like Plan B, Jacob. And it's funny because Jacob was totally my top choice before Julian, but um, my husband vetoed it. But you have so much more power <laughs> in naming after the baby's born. No, because <laughs> right? it, it fits <laughs> them. They see what you've been through, and they're like, you know, mm-hmm. Jacob is a great, strong name, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, that's so awesome. maybe for, for you guys, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Christo was the namer. So he named our first son. And then the second one, he's like, all right, you can name Briggs, our second one. I was like, all right, cool. Julian. And he's like, no, I'm like, I'll, <laughs> like, na- I'll name him name. again. Yeah. But then all of a sudden one day he just, he, he, um, called me up. He's like, I just saw, I think this is it. It's Briggs. And I was like, Yeah that's really cool. I like it. And then now I keep seeing the name pop up every so often, but anyway,
0: and now the names fit the kids, right? They do. Oh God. They're so cute. They're so cute,
1: but God. Okay. So tell us Heather, please. Um, our kids are so Adrian's four and a half, sorry. I have to include the the half. half. Um, Briggs is actually going to be three next Friday.
0: Lorenzo is yeah. Celeste's oldest and he just turned he just turned three. Yeah. three. And my youngest is one and a half. Nico. So very little still. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So babies here. Um <clears throat> does it get easier?
2: I know. Yeah. My, you- my daughter is 19 and a half. <laughs> I'll still use <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> Um you know, it's funny because every, every, every child's different. And I know we know this. I know that mentally we are aware of this, but until I had children, I did not realize, no, it's really true. They're different. Mm -hmm. And so Jacob, my son, he was just terrible threes, Um, Mm -hmm. terrible twos too, but the threes, no one tells you about the threes. They tell you about the twos, but terrible threes, maybe because of the alliteration you know, oh, yeah. but it's, it's not as <laughs> catchy, but he was, he was just so like at three. And so when my daughter came along, I expected her because she was a strong-willed baby from the beginning. Like it, she came out of the womb and she's pushing off, you know, she did not want to rest her head. She did not want to be held. She wanted to move. And as soon as she could move, she was just all over the place. I mean, she started walking so young because she just wanted to, be mobile. But, um, so I expected a strong willed as she was, was he, he, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> is, um, I expected the twos and threes to be just, just crazy. Mm-hmm. And she was so incredibly sweet never one time she threw through a, a temper tantrum or tried to and she threw herself down on the ground when she's probably about two and a half and she threw herself down on the hard floor and she had this look on her face like oh why did I do that that did, was not comfortable and so she got up and moved to the carpet <laughs> and so I'm like okay she did not fully commit so Smart I girl. thought I thought I would, would skate through and then for her it was a terrible 13s uh, so- <laughs> okay yes
1: um But she hears that. Yeah. Yeah, Cause my
2: parents, so my
1: parents had me and my sister. And my mom was like, and and so my kids are, like I said, they're boys. They're freaking crazy. And my mom's always like, I'm telling you, it's the boys because my brothers, she comes from a family of six, well, uh, Mm -hmm. kids. And um, she had four. She has four brothers, and she's like, I'm telling you, it's the boys because my brothers, they would just fight, and oh my gosh, my poor mother, and da da da, da. and like they would go to the hospital and all this stuff. And I was like, no, no. And she's like, but you asked for it. You wanted to be a boy, mom. And um, she's like, I'm telling you, she's like, girls are so much better. They're sweeter. They're calmer. I was like, okay, but then maybe that's true, but what about our teenage years? We put you through hell. So I'd rather them be rambunctious now and then maybe chill, hopefully, um, when they hit their teenage years. (laughs)
0: That's so awesome.
2: Yeah. You can't pick up a 13 year old girl and put her in a timeout. Yeah. It doesn't work.
1: Yeah. Oh man. So, so is that true though? Did, did Jacob end up kind of, you know, chilling out
2: a little bit when he oh yeah once he passed three and a half three and a half four it was like it was like a breeze he's still he's still um just a really good kid he always has been he's you know it's funny though because it's and I tell them this all the time that it's kind of like two sides of the same coin that your biggest strength is also your greatest weakness. Mm. And it's just who you are as a person. Like my son, the reason three was so hard for him was because he is very empathetic and that's what makes him. He um, is actually uh, applying to become a physician assistant right now. He's, he's finished college and he's applying to grad school. And it's because he just loves, he works in an ER right now. And he really loves helping people he loves being there in you know these dark moments of theirs and he just he always feels things so deeply Mm -hmm. and um but as a three-year-old when you feel things deeply you don't know what to do with those feelings oh my gosh (laughs) whereas my daughter her her greatest strengths she has many of course but Mm -hmm. is that she's always been very fiery very independent very you know strong well she knows what she wants And I remember when she was like four years old, I was volunteering in one of her classrooms and um, she was, you know, she had just gotten her hair cut. She decided she wanted it short. And so she cut her hair short. And one of the, and she was new to the school too. One of the classmates, her classmates came up and said, I don't like your hair. It's ugly. Oh, and my, so my mean. heart just seized. I know it's incredibly mean. And she keep in mind, she's four years old. And I, I look to her, I'm trying not to t- telegraph anything to her because I want to know how she feels about what she just heard. Even though inside, I'm just like wanting to take that girl and put her in a right. time out. Um, but um, she, I said, so how did that make you feel? And she said, you know, I, I don't care. I like it. I like it. And I was like, wow, you're four and you're already so more advanced than a lot of people. Like when I was at your age. Um, But then when she was 13, all of a sudden she wants to be even more independent. And so that's (laughs) kind of the other side of that coin is like, she's trying to find her way through middle school, which as you know, even I remember it, you know, and that was a while ago, but it can be tough Mm -hmm. middle school. Girl, being a girl in middle school I just uh, I, yeah so, I would not want to be that
1: <laughs> yeah and I'm really glad that you brought this topic up I tell Celeste this all the time and I, it's something I worry about and I'm like I either don't want my kids to be bullied or I don't want them to be a bully yeah. um, I mean we're we as parents are constantly telling them like hey you know don't say xyz or just be careful with Mm -hmm. the words that you choose and all this stuff um and this isn't how we treat people so I feel like we're doing the jobs there but then also what about (laughs) sticking up for themselves and making sure that you know they don't get bullied and stuff like that breaks my heart whenever I hear another kid being mean to another kid Oh, I just, it cause then I feel like, oh my gosh, like it's going to set them up for like just all these psychological issues later and just like trauma. And I don't know. I just, I'm, I, so did you, how did you handle that? Like, were there other instances where girls were mean to your daughter or even, you know, for your son or anything?
2: You know, they both had different experiences. One of the things that was for my son that was hard for us to deal with is when he was in, Elementary school, I think maybe fourth grade-ish, maybe even younger than that, third, where we got a call that he was in the principal's office, and he had thrown a book at another child, and I thought, oh, my gosh, my sweet, empathetic child threw a book. What's that about? And so I went fully, you know, like, oh, my gosh, and practicing the mom talk in my head, and and I'm like, that's going to be awkward too. Cause I'm yeah. about that part. Yeah. It was. And then I get there and we're talking and it's because the, you know, my children are Latinos. And so, um, my husband was actually born in Mexico. And so it was, someone called him a dirty Mexican.
0: Aww. The
2: boy called him. Yeah. in, in like that young. And so I was torn because I'm like, well, that's not how you should respond, (laughs) but that wasn't either. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. yeah, So that, that was really, really difficult as, you know, as a mom to deal with both of those conflicting, you know, emotions of other
0: kid got in trouble too.
2: Cause he did. Yeah, Yeah. he did. Um, and I, I, that's one of the things I told, you know, my son is that, um, you know, make it when he was that age, of course he's figured it out by now, but, um, you know, make it about, if you make it about your reaction, then there's less, you know, focus on the action that caused it. So, but so hard to take the high road. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you shouldn't take, I mean, I hate to say that, but you know, sometimes you need to speak up and stand up. And yeah. um, especially when it I comes think, to something like that, like yeah. race, you know, I know it, because if you don't speak up who who's going to, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not okay. Mm-hmm. And w- with my daughter, it was more in a freshman year of high school was another rough one for her. She, she had already moved out of the terrible thirteens, but apparently a lot of freshman girls did not. So there was a lot of that, um, I think she would agree that she was fortunate that she had a brother who was a senior at the same school, mm. um, who was also, like I said, very empathetic and very loyal to his sister, and, and had a lot of I'm friends. Sure. Yeah. So he was able to, you know, it's funny because one of the girls was um, being, you know, mean calling her. I don't know if you call it crank calling, but mean calling her, um, and my son actually answered the phone and kind of rationally just just basically cut her down like you know not using not using bad language or but just like he very rational but very like no well, this is not this is not happening you need to stop and right. um so that was good that was good because it's harder for a mom of a high schooler to be able to do that you don't you don't want to go. <laughs> stop being mean to my little girl. You can't really do that. They, they have to do it for themselves a lot when they're that age.
0: Yeah. I mean, in, in your yeah. book, you also talk about um, some of the troubles that the students are going through is like, it's such a, it's such a like new age where like you have social media and bullying through that form. Like it's, it's just crazy. Have, have you had, I'm sure that's hard too right now. Have you experienced some of that with your kids, like online bullying and all that?
2: Yeah, that's actually kind of how it started. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, And also, you know, like my daughter, when she was in middle school, I think 11, 12, maybe, everyone had social media and she did not. Um, And she's kind of rolling her eyes right now because she knows. (laughs) I was like, thanks. No social media for you. (laughs) But, you know, and it was so institutionalized too, as far as like, she was, she played soccer and um, uh, flag football too. And so they would communicate, the school would communicate through Facebook. And it's like, but you you should, you know. Yeah, um, what
0: if you don't have one? Right, owner? it's
2: right. And so, um, but she, you know, she was a little late to it, um, but I'm glad because like I said, that that was a pretty pretty rough age middle school for kids um and so she was a little late to it but you know it definitely there's definitely some some venom and and hard stuff on there but um but it's also, she's also found a very positive path for it. Like I said, she is a musician. So she, she does use it for now. She uses it for her music a lot. And there are, you know, a lot of positive ways to use it too. And that's how I met you guys. Right. Yeah. So um-
0: <laughs> we always go through this like back and forth, yeah. Megan and I, like, I'm very like overstimulated with social media, but you connect with so many wonderful people And, you know, you put out creativity out there. So it's, it's just that what we always say, that balance of knowing your limits of Mm. social media.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I really want to touch on the topic of race. So, um, have, how as a parent, I'm sure it's come up, you know, more than once, uh, for you and and your kids and stuff. So Mm -hmm. how do you, uh, how did you. excuse me, first talk to your kids about that. And then I guess just handle it as a family when
2: things came up, you know, it, it has, it, it was one of the, the big challenges of parenting just because, um, like I grew up, I grew up, like we were not well off. I grew up in a little, a trailer and, you know, it was, we were not, affluent by any means. So I thought I had a real handle on, you know, I went to a diverse school and, but it's totally different when you're actually, when your family members, you know, are going through things like this. Um, I remember one of the first times, this is a little off the parenting thing, but when I was, my husband and I were in this, um, like playing video games and in this hall, where we were having a big family function and we heard two young men just a little bit older than my husband at the time um talking about you know basically saying similar things that that boy said in you know and and it was the first time and i'm looking over at my husband and i'm aghast that these people in a very liberal county are saying such derogatory things about people they've never met, that mm-hmm. they're just judging these wonderful people who honestly, you know, to, I'm, I'm their family and they're the kindest in-laws. You know, I think I, I give an acknowledgement that, you know, I couldn't have married into a more kick-ass family um, mm-hmm. because they are just the most generous, thoughtful, intelligent, just wonderful people I've met in my life. And, to hear these strangers just make a snap judgment—it just was my first experience where it was like somebody I loved was the target of that, and so it was very hard. Um, we, you know, we didn't have huge conversations about race on a daily basis, though things did come up. And I think just being open and the fact that we are really close with, you know, my in-laws, their their family, our family. Um, and we see them a lot. And they are, you know, like I said, just such generous, warm people, that I think it's just become like so ingrained in who they are as people they have on their own, and they're both very, both of them, even my son, you know, I, my daughter's very strong-willed, but my son is too, they are able to have those conversations with very little coaxing from us, because they are confident, well-adjusted, you know, young people, and so um, they are both very um, socially aware, my daughter especially, I mean, she has been involved in a lot of, you know, civic demonstrations, and um, is the first to call anybody out if she hears prejudice, whether it's around race or, you know, gender identity or sexual orientation, whatever it is, she's the first one to say that. And even my son, at an early age, he had a friend uh, um, who was autistic um, in our neighborhood. He was really close with, and he would come to his defense, you know, if somebody said things because people, children can Mm. be cruel. Mm -hmm. And so it was more, you know, it was less of a sit down, let's have this conversation than it was. Let's deal with this daily thing that happened more frequently than we would like it to have happened.
1: Mm. That's awesome. I think that's really important. Um, growing up, I, I'm, I'm white. Uh, I grew up in Maine and there's not much diversity there. So I didn't really have, I didn't really encounter other races outside of white people. Um, but as I, of course, you know, have traveled and lived in different cities and States and, uh, went to a school that had a lot of black people, Asians, you know, stuff like that. So being, um, Around different races, um, seeing all the diversity, but then, and I've always known that there was racism, um, but I was just in my own little world. I will admit that. Like, I didn't see how a lot of other people like, like black people see it, <clears throat> excuse me, on a daily basis um, until everything with George Floyd happened last year. And it just was like it, you know, my eyes, I just was more awake and uh, you know, realize like, wow, this is really, really bad. So I think it's very important to have conversations like this and um, I've even changed, you know, what types of books we bring into the house for the kids. Um, They're by black authors. They have black kids in it or different races, not just, not just black, but, um, and I think that's so important to have that. And I know Celeste, you actually, your kids are half white.
0: Yeah. I'm Latina. My mom is Argentinian. My dad is uh, Colombian and uh, my husband is white. So I've done my best to, uh, make sure I include their culture and, and educate them. And like you were saying, um, you just kind of in immerse them in that, like mm-hmm. how you were saying Heather, so that they know, um, what's not acceptable, what's not okay. What conversations, you know, that they should be like, r- you know, red flagging. So, um, I love that you do that. And I feel like it's awesome watching this generation stand up for that. Mm-hmm. Cause I've noticed like a lot of, Oh young my kids, gosh. Yes. It's so much I easier for it. them to be like, No, like Mm -hmm. you're not going to talk like that, or they just they're not afraid to call people out. So, I'm I'm, I will say I'm very excited that we get to raise children in that, you know, breaking toxic, just everything, you know, chains of just things that are not okay anymore. So, um, that makes me really excited. But yeah, I agree, Megan. Um, Just having diversity as much as you can. And that's that's what also just it gets you to think more like, do I want to put my kid in this school versus, you know, somewhere has more um, diversity and things like that. So I think it's really good for us parents to be aware of those things.
1: Yeah. And I mean, as, as much as I, you know, want to move back to Maine and everything, I think it is very important that both my kids were born in Houston, (laughs) one of the most diverse (laughs) places I've ever lived Um, and then spent a few years there. And then now we're in Tulsa. I mean, it's not as diverse as, as Houston, but it's still diverse, more diverse than Maine. So I think it is important that, you know, we're here, but yes, as they continue to get older and having those conversations are just really, really Mm -hmm. important. But I think, you know, your daughter, your, your son sticking up for other kids that I love that. I love that. And hopefully more kids their age younger can continue doing the same, same thing.
2: I think, you know, you mentioned the hope that you know, maybe not in that word, but the hope that you find in this, this generation and the upcoming one, your children as well, uh, you know, and it's so true because even like my son, when he went to vote, they messed up the, the registration he had to, for his polling place. He drove an hour and a half to vote for when he, in the first election he was eligible for. Um, And then he went to all this trouble to register to vote and do all this, you know, stuff that, that I'm thinking this is the boy who can't pick up his own socks, so, you know, <laughs> and he's, he's, what put can. So, he's put up so much energy mm-hmm. into that's awesome you know, up being for civically involved. Yeah,
1: that's amazing. Very cool. So uh, I know we are kind of running out of on, on time, and I had mentioned I want to be respectful of everyone's time, um, but if a couple couple of things, so my last question is. What is some motherly advice, mother to mothers here, um, that you can give us something maybe you wish you knew before becoming a parent or something you've learned
2: along the way. I think, you know, I need nothing. So everything I learned, I learned along the way. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that I took from raising my kids is that, you know, be gentle on yourself as a parent. I think especially as a new parent, I would just, you know, my children, like I mentioned, went to charter school and they required volunteering. And so I was fortunate enough. That's one of the benefits of my hours was that I could volunteer in the classroom during the day. So that was a, a benefit of it. But a lot of the parents were what I would like to call super parents where they they had like mason jars filled with art supplies and Mm -hmm. um you know all these you know and they they had all these things that they did and 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 I always felt inadequate like yeah I'm inadequate as a parent because I suck at art Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and so you know it's like but but you know, you give them what you can can, you know, like I love to read to my kids. And so that was something that I could give to them. And so you don't have to be that super mom. You can be you. Um, and just, it's so funny that you you mentioned
0: that because my youngest uh, started part-time preschool and I kind of started feeling that a little bit, but I was like, wait, I'm not a Pinterest mom. You know, like I'm just yeah. my best. Right. You, you yes. have your kid come home with the other kids gifts and they're like super like outdone, like in cute little baggies with ribbons. And you're just, you know, barely sending them with a Ziploc bag. And, and you know, so, <laughs> so you're know. right is to be humble with yourself and, and do yeah. what you can for them. Right. That's Absolutely. awesome. Great advice.
1: And, uh, sorry, I said last question, but really this is, um, just for you (laughs) to give your, your plug here. So no bad deed again, one of my favorite thrillers. I'm so excited for your next one. Cannot wait. But anyway, uh, where can people find no bad deed? Where can they purchase it? And also, uh, where can they find you? Yeah. How
0: can we connect with you?
2: Well, I'm on Instagram. Um, (laughs) I am on Twitter and Instagram as I m i a m h r chavez um, and my website is heatherchavez.com really easy to remember and my social media links are there um, as far as where you can find my book it's pretty much everywhere um, i always do the plug for bookshop.org yes they you know you know connect with independent bookstores my local independent of course is copperfields or book passage um, but you know, anywhere that you can find it. I'm also a big proponent of libraries. I love libraries. Uh, I worked in one. It was my first job. So um, yeah, Very so cool. I'm a big proponent for that too.
0: All right. And it's guys. on audiobook too. So that was Heather Chavez. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you guys check out her book. It's a really fun one. It's awesome. It's just fast paced. You'll love it. Our pounding,
1: edge of your uh, seat, thriller.
0: Really all that, read <laughs> it in one or two days or listen to it. But uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Heather. Thank you for having me. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.